0: You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the internet to cover the news.
1: This is Marketing Over Coffee with Christopher Penn and John Wall. Good evening. Welcome to Marketing Over Coffee. I'm John Wall. I'm Christopher Penn. And today we've got a special episode here. As we've been mentioning in the show recently, uh, we're going to be heading down to the PRSA conference down in New York City. And tonight we have a special guest on the show with us, Mr. Eric Schwartzman.
0: Hi, I'm a recovering uh, PR person.
1: (laughs) This is Yeah,
0: this is good. We've talked about getting some
1: uh, PR specialists on the line. Of course, Eric, first and foremost, uh, host of the award-winning On the Record online podcast, (laughs) Uh, which I have to to give a plug for, and also I Press Room and Schwartzman PR. Um, uh, Eric, I guess you know. First, uh, let's uh, give you the floor. and let you give an intro, talk about kind of what you've got going on, and how you're tied into the PRSA show too.
0: Well, this is my second year um, serving as uh, conference chair. I was the conference chair last year as well. This year, I'm actually co-chairing with um, uh, blogger Elizabeth Albrecht, and she blogs at um, corporatecommunications.com. dot com. And uh, PRSA asked us, you know, hey, what would be the lineup of speakers that would would really make a difference in the economy that we're in? And one of the things I've been doing in addition to running uh, um, iPressroom, which is a service for managing online press rooms, um, is traveling around and teaching these new media PR boot camps for PRSA. And, uh, you know, if you look at the adoption rates of new media for younger audiences – you know, it's it's off the hook. You've got like for, I think, um, if you look at 18 to 24, you're looking at, you know, 74% adoption rates for social networking. And then, of course, you know, you look at the 55 plus set and you've got 11% adoption rates. So a lot of times I have people come into these boot camps kind of frustrated saying, look, we know this stuff works, we know it matters, but we have to explain it to the folks in the boardroom. So what data, what information, what research can you give us that's going to help us Make our make our case. And so Elizabeth and I, together with the folks at PRSA, sort of asked ourselves, well, what information do we need to equip PR people with so that they can go down into the boardroom and be taken seriously and actually get the budget they need to launch some sort of PR led social media communications initiative? And uh, and that's what this conference is about.
1: Okay, so that's cool. So it, it is really focusing primarily on how to to put all this new stuff to use. Um, when I was looking over the schedule, one of the we were talking about the you know speakers that are going to be there and, and topics that intrad- interested us, um, and one that jumped right out at me was Don Spetner, who is a, a CMO at Corn Ferry. Um, and he's going to be talking about the skills PR people need to be desirable to employees in kind of in this network age. But I think a lot of that, too, you know, we'll go into just in this job market as it is today with, you know, the economy kind of uh, taking a hit all the way around. Um, but I guess let's get your perspective, Eric, first as far as, you know, kind of what do PR people need to be looking at over the next year and how can they kind of make sure that they protect their job? and uh, And what kind of stuff do you want to hear Don talk about?
2: But actually, well, also, um, I'd love to also know, you know, how is the PR world doing in terms of, of jobs and employment in the economy? I'd love to know if, if that's one place, you know, companies are starting to cut back.
0: Certainly. I mean, as you guys know, uh, you know, marketing and PR is always a section that companies look to cut when there's a down economy. So there's no there's no uh, fancy way to spin that one. Uh, but one of the things Don did tell me when I invited him to speak at the conference is that sort of the bright light in the storm, is digital communications and online communications. And and if there was any demand that he was seeing from employers who are looking to recruit, it's people who have digital communications skills. And, and, you know, not just someone who comes out of school and knows how to Facebook and tweet, but someone who actually understands how to apply these channels strategically into a communications program.
1: Uh, How about what would you say is is the mix now? Do do people actually... Should they be pushing for almost completely digital communications program? Or is there still room for standard PR? Or is it kind of going the, the way of the journalist in that, you know, aside from uh, digital, there's not going to be anything left?
0: Well, I mean, that's sort of, uh, that's the song I've been singing for about 10 years. I, I got on this bus, you know, a good 10 years ago. And let me tell you, it was a lonely bus ride, guys. <laughs> people are starting to get on the bus now. And it's it's fun because there's other people to talk to. I mean, if you ask me, I think, you know, PR is going to be – if PR doesn't figure out a way to communicate autonomously online, and I'm not talking about like walking the press release down the hall of the web guys and have them upload it, but actually figuring out a way to participate and inform the conversation itself. I mean, I don't know what will be left except gift bags and and special events.
1: (laughs) Right, right. Well, and it's funny too. Chris and I had kind of this thing we were kicking around about – you know, PR person as database person. I mean, literally, you know, it, you know gathering up um, their new, you know, it's not the paper Rolodex anymore. You've got to have, you know, a hundred times the names you used to have, and you've got to have them all digitally and, and cataloged and be able to dig through them to get where you want to go.
0: You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to, Christy, hear your thoughts on that because I know you're really the database guru. I don't know that PR becomes database marketing. I don't know that that's the direction it will go.
2: Not not database marketing
0: per se, but just being effective in your use of
2: your database. I mean, uh, you know, just before we started this call, I was participating you know, on Twitter in JournChat, the uh, sort of the online I guess global chat room for PR and journalism folks, and just the ability to keep on top of who's who in a and a you know semi intelligent way is getting tougher because. You know, it used to have, what, a few thousand newspapers, a few few hundred radio stations, a few hundred TV stations here on and there. And now with bloggers, with Facebook folks, with, you know, the so-called, quote, influencers on Twitter and stuff, suddenly you're talking about millions and millions of more people who have influence in their particular niche and things. And being able to intelligently, you know, manage those relationships, particularly in any of the niches, is really, I think, where... A lot of the PR folks currently are falling down, and where a lot of the technology marketing t- the tools might be able to help. I mean, look at just how many how many people are on the the so called a list of bloggers. Well, that's you know highly variable. Depends on who you're talking to in what industry. But if there's a PR person who needs to get and you know building relationships, that's where you got to start if you're going to be talking about digital marketing. So it's the database, not as a, a, a giant spam cannon, but the database as I have to keep track of 20 times the number of people I used to as a PR professional. How do I do it?
0: Sure. I mean, look, there's, there's a very real, you know, people um, um, harp all the time on PR people sending out misguided pitches, but you have to understand there's a very real economic driver for that activity, and until that changes, I think that type of behavior will persist, and, and as long as uh, clients – are going to PR agencies and saying, get me press. I want press coverage. Um, This type of behavior is going to persist because ultimately uh, what's going to happen at the agency level is, you know, they're going to do their best to try to build one-on-one relationships with the top-tier media outlets that really matter. And if that doesn't work, then they're going to wind out, you know, spamming the universe and seeing, you know, what's moving. And I think as long as, you know, somebody's pounding on the client's desk saying, get me press, get me press – um, this type of, this type of behavior is going to persist. So, and, until, until clients start going to agencies and saying, hey, um, you know, uh, help me inform the conversation, help me build a community, help me participate in conversations with the influencers that matter to my constituents. Until that becomes the type of, um, deliverables that clients are asking for, uh, you're going to continue to see this. And, and I'll tell you, I, I see it getting a lot worse, guys. Because if you look at what's happening with print media now, you know, you've got the Tribune tearing on the edge of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the New York Times with tremendous debt right now, not sure how they're going to pay for their building. I mean, if you read any of these uh, Twitter feeds, you know, the media is dying, or any of these feeds that are tracking, um, you know, the rate at which the fourth estate is waning, I mean, it's severe. So, so if you're uh, an agency hunting for media coverage at this point, I mean there's, there's a, a much smaller community to go after. So unless PR can figure out a way to start thinking beyond media relations, reinvent itself against you know clicks instead of clips, I think this is going to persist. It really comes
2: to, me, to mind sort of the whole idea we've talked about in the past in the context of you know, vice presidents of sales, but it really comes to mind the whole golden Rolodex thing where – if you are a, a PR professional or marketer for that matter, and you're not already building your, your personal database, your personal golden Rolodex to the people in your niches, by the time you, you know, if you get to just graduate from college, if you don't have something in that Rolodex, I'll say, I think you're dead meat because at a certain point, the less. Uh, talented agencies out there are just going to uh, do a scorched earth campaign and essentially lock themselves out of the digital media realm. So, I, well, I ask you, Eric, since you run an agency, what are you, how are you handling the the whole, I guess, storm of chaos? Are you actively cultivating golden rolodexes? I mean, is that something that everyone on your staff does? Um, you know,
0: how, how are you managing it? Well, let me tell you first and foremost, I mean, the agency business is not my primary business. I do some consulting. I do some training on that side. But my business is building online newsrooms for companies. And we just uh, launched the online newsroom for Toyota. Uh, This is a great example. Um, You know, for years, Toyota has been unveiling new cars at the auto show in Detroit every year. And all the reporters come and they cover it. Well, this year, I mean, there was significantly less reporters covering this show live in in Detroit. And uh, so what uh, we helped Toyota do was actually stream the live reveal on their internet press room, uh, you know, as it was happening live. The idea being that one, reporters who didn't have the budget to go out there and cover the live reveal of the Prius could participate online. And two, I mean, the truth is, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, enthusiasts who are running blogs and 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 uh, user generated sites and and why not let give them you know first crack at this thing too why not democratize the distribution of this news break and 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 you know get as much excitement going that way as you can so I mean I think you know the future of public relations is you know becoming a media outlet yourself you know stop relying on the media to tell your story for you and figure out a way to tell it yourself and the tough thing for PR is for so long pr had been just about getting the facts straight and being informative and really worrying you know let, letting letting journalists make it inform make it let, letting journalists make it entertaining and compelling and now we sort of have to take off our you know pr hat and put on our producer hat and start thinking to ourselves how can we create a website that's a media outlet that's vibrant with new content every day so that we can Directly inform those constituents ourselves, and of course, you know the social media tools are a great way to extend that influence. But at the end of the day, you know your online newsroom or your pre or your 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 website is where you're going to actually convert that awareness into some sort of a transaction. You still have to be the media, even if you, you have the tools, but you
2: probably don't have the skills. How do you mean? Well, I mean that's that's sort of the messages for the for the companies. You've got the tools, yeah. There's Twitter, there's Facebook, and stuff like that, but. You, you don't have the experience of actually being a media outlet. So for the companies, I mean, do they hire
0: journalists in-house? Well, I mean that could be you know, where, where a lot of these out-of-work journalists find themselves over the next few years because you know, content creation is becoming an ongoing a need of organizations now. They've got to figure out a way to communicate effectively online, not just through text but through photos Right. And through video. And I mean, you know, you guys talk about conversion leaks on your show all the time. But so few people are aware of the fact that, you know, if you put your content up in uh, you know, a service like YouTube, that's great for YouTube because, you know, you're giving them traffic and it's a way for them to, you know, ultimately someday, you know, sell advertising against it. But, you know, are you using your video on your own site to actually generate a measurable transaction? And of course, to do that, you need infrastructure.
1: Right, right. And I can totally see where that, that's kind of the transition of the agency, too, because, it, again, there's economies of scale. You know, an agency can, can train and kind of bring content producers up to speed and share the lessons that they've learned over hundreds of clients instead of every client trying to build everything, you know, on their own from the ground up.
0: You know, I'd really like to see the majority of agencies take the lead on this. But I got to tell you, I mean, it usually starts with the client. So, you know, the client usually takes the lead. You know, you've got a few forward-looking agencies who, who, who trailblaze. But for the most part, you know, it's the client that creates the demand for these types of services. And so I think, you know, companies like Toyota, we also we build the online newsroom for Target. We do the online newsroom for UCLA, the school. I and mean, if you look at any of those sites, you realize these are not press-release graveyards. You know, these are not the places where, you know, old content goes to die. These are the places where news breaks happen. And they're not just you know, putting out informative content by their own agenda, they're putting out information that's going to be of interest to end users and constituents as well.
1: Um, I want to roll forward to uh, another one of the sessions. Uh, Tom Smith is coming in from the UK, and he's done a, a white paper called How Did We Come to Trust Strangers?, uh, which talks about, it's a global study. They did over 28,000 uh, surveys in the sample. And uh, it's a. uh, In fact, I'll have a link in the show notes so people can check out the PDF. It's about 35 pages of stuff, Um, but it was really interesting. I think the biggest thing that hit me, and I'll be interested in you know your guys' opinion on this too, is um, consumer reviews as like being one of the leading um, trusted sources of information about products and services.
2: Well, it's market dynamics when you think about it. Your opinion or my opinion or Eric's opinion probably don't matter a whole heck of a lot in the grand scheme of things. But when you get to scale, when you're talking about 5,000 opinions, 10,000 opinions, a million opinions, um, you're talking market dynamics. It becomes very difficult at that point for any one organization to game uh, the ratings or reviews. I mean, how much time would you – how many people would you need, say, if you were, I don't know, M-Audio? to to game every single review on Amazon and the hundreds of other sites out there, the reality is you can't. I mean, you you could, I guess, but you'd spend your entire budget doing it. So you're talking about market dynamics at a macro level for product reviews for for any kind of large crowd. That means that fundamentally, A, your product has to not suck. But B, as a a PR professional, I think it comes down to saying you need to realize that the crowds are now following an economic model, a market model, rather than a personal model. And if you don't have any background in, in you know, macroeconomic theory, you might want to go out and get uh, macro for dummies.
1: Eric, how about it? Is this a PR component trying to work with online uh, product reviews and things like that? Is this something that you know needs to be part of the PR person's arsenal?
0: Well I mean certainly you know the acknowledgement that uh, you know PR is 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 not it doesn't work if it's not backed up by policy and product performance and other substantive issues I mean it's not about just getting out there and saying something that isn't true um, you know authenticity is important because it's a good governance of that type of behavior uh, but at the end of the day you know there's only so much you can say you know if the Comcast guy falls asleep on the couch or or the customer service person at AOL. You know, these are two high-profile examples. Uh, you know, doesn't want to let you cancel your account. What What excites me about um, Tom Smith coming in from the UK to present at the conference is, you know, again, as I said, you know, when I go out and I teach these boot camps, people are sitting there saying, "Well, how do I convince my boss? How do I convince my client? How do I how do I wage an argument in the boardroom that's going to get me, you know, the money or the budget or the time that I need to 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 integrate new media into what i'm doing already and um i think tom's study in my opinion is one of the best ones out there uh f- for backing up that argument i mean he's got he's got hard numbers behind you know comparing new media communication adoption rates uh to conventional mainstream media channels so you can actually look at um, you know how many people trust opinions versus a news story He's got um, consumer new media adoption rates by product category. So you can see of the different product categories that are out there, which ones are most likely to succeed in these new emerging channels. He's got um, rankings of, of what forms of communications people trust most. Uh, so, I mean, I think, you know, hands down also from a global standpoint, because I know Edelman does their trust barometer and that's a pretty cool study too. But, um, but uh, from a um, – from a global standpoint, it's really the only thing I've seen out there that'll give you the breakdowns by country and, uh, and by demo. And so to have him come in and talk about that I think is, is pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Oh, you know, and that global thing killed me there to see the U.S. getting knocked around in the bottom 25% in a lot of <laughs> categories there.
0: Well, but you got to look at, first of all, you know, when you look at the emerging markets where there's no free and open press. That's where this stuff is really taken off in, in terms of mass use. But when you look at like the super influencers, the people who are the most you – know, your vocal outspoken proponents of a cause, the, the adoption rates there are off the hook. So you may look at RSS and say 11 eh, percent, why bother? But then you look at you know, the number of super influencers, the people who are you know, outspoken you know, word of mouth agents for your brand and you know, they cite that as like the number two way that they get information. So, you know, it's about, um, you know, leveraging word of mouth by contact, by by building relationships with those influencers, and RSS is a way to do it. So, you know, you got to be careful not to judge new media by old media standards.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, you hit a huge point there that I hadn't strung together yet. The the fact that the super influencers in a lot of cases are at that cutting edge of technology. So just like you said, even though it's small numbers, those some of those folks will have – you know, literally 1,000 times or more the reach that the rest of the market may have.
0: I um, interviewed the key spokesperson for Disney um, about their podcast. It's like a couple years ago. A guy's name is Duncan Wardell. And if you want, we can put a link in the show notes. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I asked him, so is your podcast successful? And he said, yeah, I think it's really successful. We have about 80,000 listeners. And I just sort of I paused for a moment. I thought to myself, I didn't I didn't think Mickey got out of bed for less than a million people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and here they're doing a podcast for 80,000 and I asked him as a follow-up, you know, well, I mean, it doesn't seem like you're getting the numbers with a channel like that as you do with advertising. He said, yeah, I believe uh, we're approaching an age where consumers will screen out the brands that they don't want to hear from. Those 80,000 are our most, you know, vocal outspoken proponents. These are the people who, Go to the Disney Anna shows and trade, you know, 1962 Mickey bottle caps for the, you know, different cells. I mean, these are people who love us, so we've got a a word of mouth army of 80,000 people talking to their friends, and who's trusted more than someone like yourself. So for them, that's the future.
2: Yeah, that's their hardcore. You know, army of zealots that uh, are going to take the time to, to actually put into listening or, or watching the podcast. I a lot of people forget that and it'll be interesting to, to gauge the you know a sort of barometer of the crowd at the conference to see how many people understand that you're now also in an era of multiplier effects where a small podcast or a, a small uh, newsletter or blog can reach much further than you think it does, but mapping that out is very, very difficult.
0: Definitely, definitely. And we also have, you know, a number of other people presenting. Uh, you know, we've got um, Lee Odin, uh, who's the SEO PR guru. Uh, we've got Steve Rubel, who's uh, sort of the futurist at, uh, at Edelman. Um, we've got Brian Solis, uh, who is, uh, you know, a, a super influential social media pundit. Um, and I'm excited about hearing them speak as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that will be good. Lee Oden has always got stuff on, on search, um, which is, you know, it's just interesting to hear kind of what's going on. He's been in that that game for a long time. Um, how about on search stuff? Is that, uh, you know, will that be another major component for this? Have we got kind of anything else stacked up with that? Or
0: I mean, I think from a PR standpoint, I think, you know, if I had to say, where's the low hanging fruit? What's the real opportunity? I would say first opportunity is your website. Because that's where you convert awareness into transactions. I would say just based on you know, and I'm, I know you guys are advocates of this as well. I would say just based on you know, adoption rates, emails number two, and then you know, if you look at uh, at Tom Smith's uh, research on uh, S- on search and um, it being the number one place people go to source opinions on products, brands, and services, I would say search is probably the third most important thing to do. You know, we all we all talk about blogs and podcasts and Twitter and Facebook, but at the end of the day, it's your website, it's email, and it's search. That
1: sounds good. How about Chris? Any other questions? Anything you want to throw around? Actually, I have a live question coming in from Twitter
2: uh, for Eric, actually. Uh, Mariana in Connecticut asks, Should I go to the PRSA Career Forum in April in New York? I'm not sure if I have enough chops to make it really worth my while. Well, as mainly a social media marketer, is the conference worth my time, and if so, why?
0: Well, that's a that's – a- That's a great question. Um, You know, this conference is really geared for people that want to network with uh, high-level individuals in not just social media but public relations as well. Um, We're in New New York City, so we always draw a very high-caliber attendee level in terms of, like, you know, VP, um, uh, senior VP, EVP levels, some directors as well. Uh, You know, I I would say – to a social media person who's looking to network with uh, with PR, it, om- it might almost be like shooting fish in a barrel because you're coming <laughs> in, you know, with a level of uh, awareness and understanding that you know might be exactly what uh, you know future clients who are looking for your skills might need. So I, w- I would say yes. I mean, from the other side, you know, if you were a PR person saying to me, "Should I go?" I would say, "Yeah." I mean, if you want to avoid layoffs and and keep your job moving forward, I mean, I think. The only way to stay relevant is to learn to communicate autonomously via the web. Yeah, I was thinking, looking at the, the speaker list and stuff, that it's, it's not something that you explicitly
2: ever said, but if PR folks do not get the an understanding of the digital marketing space, they're dead meat. But more importantly, if you do get it, every single person in PR needs to be an advocate for this because social media, especially digital marketing, trade tends to trade time for money. You spend more time than money. So if your agency is looking to to you know, keep everyone employed, there's no better way to chew up an awful lot of billable time than, than in digital marketing. So hopefully uh, anyone else who's uh, tuning in from the PR side of the house will come on out for it.
0: And then, of course, uh, you know, we've, got, we've got our session that we're doing there, and that, that should be fun.
1: Yes, yes. Looking forward to the live show in New York City. This is uh, getting closer to the Saturday Night Live dream of marketing over coffee, <laughs> live from New York. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to to getting the live show going. Yeah, I think we've got, we're going to talk about uh, what PR uh, disasters and averting them. But I think the big thing, you know, as always with the show, we're going to be watching everything that happens. I'm sure there'll be some hot stuff happening, you know, within the two or three weeks before the show, and then will give us a chance to really um, kick stuff around. And of course, uh, send in anything you've got too. If you have PR specific questions, we'll have Eric on the mic again uh, when we're down in New York, and we would love to. Uh, uh, throw live uh, hard balls right at him and see uh, how the guy swings.
0: And you know, I've I've been threatening to uh, to to stream the, the, the panel as well. Oh, absolutely. That sounds good. Yeah, live video. That'll. Well, work. actually, the reason I say threatening is because my kid recently dropped the dropped my my HD camera. <laughs> Ooh. So I got I got no ten And, you know, it fell just exactly on the little corner where the thing chipped off. And mm. I opened it up with a screwdriver and made it worse. So uh, either you guys are going to bring a camera or I'm going to have to get a new one. I'm not, you know what? It's actually the conference is being held right by B&H. <laughs> so I could, I, could, I could hit B&H and geek out there or you guys could bring a camera one or the other.
2: Bit of both. Bit of both. We'll bring all the gear we can and uh, show everyone at the show uh, what you can do. With uh, a, a credit card and B&H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, I n- never have a hard time getting into B&H, that is for sure. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up. I'd like to thank Eric Schwartzman for coming out and uh, chatting with us today. And uh, we hope to see at the PRSA Digital Impact Event in New York City. It's going to be April 30th and May 1st down in New York City. And for more information, you can check out www.newmediaprconference.com. That's www.NewMediaPRConference.com. And that will do it for us. So until next time, enjoy the coffee. Enjoy the coffee. Enjoy the coffee. You can hear Mr. Penn daily at the Financial Aid Podcast and read more at ChristopherSPenn.com. Mr. Wall blogs daily at RoninMarketeer.com and podcasts The M Show every Monday.